0: All right, glad you're with us, and thanks, Scott Shannon. Eight hundred nine four one 941 if you want to be a part of the program. I, you know what the most frustrating part? Well, there's two parts that are so frustrating in all of this, is how much every single solitary vote matters. And it's just you you look at the numbers. I'm watching, you know, the latest numbers out of Arizona. It is so close in all of these states. And it is it's 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 right there. And it's so frustrating. Um, and I know that we're not like these crazy Democrats. I think Madonna, I think an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Oh, I see that. Uh, I guess they took down all of the plywood on the stores on Rodeo Drive and in New York City, everything that had been boarded up. All these, you know, angry Republican families running out there in the streets that I guess everyone was scared to death about. Um, and I'll tell you another thing. I want to go back. I remember I brought up on this program in September a document put out House Judiciary uh, ranking member Jim Jordan. And this is September. We And the reason I'm playing this is we all instinctively have known from the get-go that this is a bad idea. You know, mail-in ballots, mass millions of them, not even requested, no voter ID, varying standards. It lends itself to taking away the integrity of the election. Now, can it be done correctly? Absolutely. Just look at Florida. Look at Ohio. I mean, Florida could have been called and and give Governor DeSantis all the credit for this because we had problems in 2016 and he resolved them in Broward and West Palm Beach counties. And he and he put into place the safeguards with, again, you have the population double, triple the size of some of the states we're talking about here. You have two time zones, a lot of elderly people and mail-in voting, et cetera, et cetera. And we have the results. We probably could have announced it as soon as the panhandle closed at eight o'clock. And that took much longer than it needed to be on election night. In my view, by everybody, uh, I guess we won Alaska. Gee, as if we is there a big surprise there. Um, And it just is frustrating because we're right there. But this is what Jim Jordan said back in September.
1: We know what this is about. We all know what this is about. This is about these guys wanting chaos and confusion because they I think they know this. I think they know on election night, President Trump's going to win. They know on election day, the vote count on election day, President Trump's going to win. And they want to keep counting six weeks, four weeks, Iowa caucus, whenever. That, I don't know when they decided that one. I still don't know if they've declared a winner. I don't know if it was Bernie or Biden or whoever was running then. That's what they want.
0: Now, he said that in September. The president said this isn't going to work out well. He repeated it often or anybody why because that is exactly right they they wanted and they got and they received all the chaos they needed the problem is is that if you can't have faith and trust and belief in the integrity of the voting process then you know look at what how does that end well for anybody in this country it does not you know and then there's this you know we got the short-term issues that we're dealing with and the longer-term issues if this massed, unrequested, mail-in millions of ballots is not fixed, if we don't, with these Republican legislatures, put into a place uh, uh, laws governing elections that mandate voter ID, uh, Lindsey Graham is right. You're not going to win another election in our lifetime. That That is what is at stake here. And the reason that I believe, you know, why did they stop the COVID relief first relief package in Congress and request, well, we want to change election laws, huh? Well, we're going to we're going to hold back monies from businesses and and citizens that at the time were desperate because you want to talk about immigration and and election reform. Um, You know, they quote the great Dr. Fauci ad nauseum, but not when he said, you know, of course, in-person voting can be done very safely with social distancing. And if everyone wears a mask. Not a problem, but the push went on and it went on and and it changed and it does not lend itself to any faith, any trust, any confidence and any, any integrity. And this is now the shift show that we watch unfolding here. So you got, you know, obviously this election, then you got future elections and all of it is, you know, now hanging in the balance. Now, it is amazing. Here's something that I have not heard anybody make a point of yet, um, Okay, the the narrative is all the early voting went to to Biden, et cetera, and day of voting favored Trump dramatically. And but they then the left would argue that the reason is, is that Democrats push more for mail-in ballots. And and the president early on said he didn't trust it, except for states like Florida that have already worked out all the kinks in the system, et cetera. And, you know, and and that was exactly the narrative that Jim Jordan was advancing here. But, you know, I'm going to think about this from this vantage point point. and absentee balloting of course there's a, a way to do it with integrity match voter id rolls, match signature rolls, etc although when i went to vote in person on election day they, they what is the what is your first name they know who i was uh I, what are the first two letters se with the last the uh, first three letters of your last name h-a-n okay vote you can vote that you yes it's me okay go vote nothing else needed um, or those that, you know, for example, all these power grabs, if these two seats are not picked up in Georgia, it will be an unmitigated radicalism disaster for this country. I'm, I know people might be sick of elections, but you can't forget what's going to happen down in Georgia with these two runoff Senate races either in the in the process of all of this. But if you think of the end of the election, think about it this way. We, we learned from FISA that they have... 90% efficacy, efficiency in their vaccine this past Monday. It's Wednesday. Imagine if it was the Monday before election day, la- the Tuesday prior, November 2nd, the election day, November 3rd. What if that happened? And we had at that point over 100 million ballots cast. Now, I wonder if people might have, if they had that news Absorb that and the magnitude of that and the great scientific accomplishment and all, all, all the whole effort that Donald Trump, I think, did brilliantly with Operation Warp Speed more than anything else is he had these companies all competing against each other to get it first. And that competition really, you know, a lot of scientists, medical researchers, they take great pride in what they do and they want to get it right. And we're in the final stage human trials and they were continuing since late July. So you knew there were nobody, there were no instances of death from the vaccines they were using. You knew that antibodies were being created from phase two human trials. You knew that that the side effects were minimal or else they would have stopped the studies. That's just general protocol. They did at different times, turned out not to be vaccine related and how that could impact the race. Or would some people, if we had one election day, one, and we figure out a way that we have one election day that also includes voter ID. Also, you, you build into the system a way to vote absentee. You build into the system a way that is universal, unlike, say, Georgia, after the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Congressional Committee, Democratic Party all sued. They come up with a stupid agreement down in Georgia where the person that makes an application for a mail-in ballot, uh, you just you can now match it. On the application versus the ballot, it's probably going to be the same person, but you have no knowledge of who the person really is to put in the application. And yet everybody, same day voting in Georgia, picture ID, uh, and it was run by another database. That's not exactly equal protection and equal justice. So it's it is, there's all sorts of things here. We're going to have elections. We're expanding out, all right, a month before we start voting. Okay. Then we're going to have, you know, the counting can continue and we'll just, you know, pick a date. We'll have a court decide that we can do it three days after uh, the, the statutory deadline, which is the, pace, uh, the, the case pending before the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. Just decide. Well, you know, it's nuts. Um, and it's, by the way, unconstitutional. Or the fact that, OK, we know it's covid, but yet the law allows for partisan observers in all of these states and all of these people that have come out and said they weren't allowed to observe. That's well, a violation of election law. Not one Democrat. Have I ever heard concerned about any of these issues? You know, one of the things that is getting very intriguing and we're, we're doing our own deep dive investigation into this. We had this woman, Laura uh, Cox on the program from Michigan, the 6,000 votes that flipped because of the technical glitch of this software program known as Dominion, also used, as John Solomon had pointed out, in 28 states. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a pretty deep dive into this right now. We're coming up with some very interesting, uh, a very interesting understanding of the whole picture. I just don't want to jump the gun on it. Because we are thorough, we are complete, we try to get all our facts straight, everything corroborated before we bring it to you. But we're watching it very closely, and there's a lot there, in my opinion, from what we can see. But when you think of, okay, now we get up to Election Day, and in the final three days of the campaign, Donald Trump barnstorms massive rallies, 14 of them. And Joe Biden, most of September, half of September, he's hiding in the bunker. And then even taking, you know, what, five days off before the final debate. I think by any objective measure, in my humble opinion, you could disagree. I thought Donald Trump dominated in that final debate. And I thought it was a, a much better appearance than the first debate. I also thought the exchange with Savannah Guthrie helped the president also. I thought he handled it particularly well in an extremely combative environment. And again, these are things happening in the lead up to decision day. But if somebody or, you know, 100 million people vote before these events even happen, they're not getting the full context and picture of what is what is unfolding in the choice that is truly before them. Now, for those of those Americans, our fellow Americans that aren't, say, as hardcore as maybe we all are, um, usually for them, the campaign, they'll pay some attention on the periphery. Leading up to, say, Labor Day and then after Labor Day, usually officially the campaigns begin in earnest and people start paying a little bit more attention. Although, you know, people make up their minds about Joe Biden and and Donald Trump fairly quickly. But there are what is something like the Monday before Election Day? Because this happened the Monday a week later, just six days after Election Day that you have the Pfizer announcement on a vaccine or you don't have the final debate but 100 million people voted there's something there's something wrong with the process that is continuing to extend out further and further and further you know this period of time and the methods and the lacking and and frankly lack of standards uh simple basic standards and the outright mailing to people that don't even request ballots in the millions it lends itself to take away confidence, credibility in the system. That's why this poll is out yesterday with so many of you rightly feeling as you do. It's not by accident. And it was very predictable, and we all did predict it. And, you know, and then you look at the razor-thin margins, and, and here you've got the level of frustration where, where we all are, because this is all very winnable. 800 nine941 Sean we got a lot coming up Ted Cruz is going to join us we have a state senator state rep um, uh, from the great state of Pennsylvania coming up later in the program Colonel North Bill O'Reilly today All 941 Sean you want to be a part of the program um, you know, there's a lot of news here you know I, I tell you the mob the media I can't even I can't even find the words anymore four years. All it was was them questioning the results of the 2016 election. Biden is out there, Mister President Elect. How would you like to bash Trump? And they tee it up, bash Trump. Next question, Mister President Elect. I'm like, oh, I, I mean, it is so corrupt. I, you know, I just it, it, there's such a sad part of all of this. And by the way, it's Veterans Day. We'll check in with Ali North later. You know, and you think about the blood, the sweat, the tears, the death, the sacrifice of so many. And then you look at institutional corruption. I don't even think the mob believe. I think they think that, that they're like on a mission from God. They've so convinced themselves that they actually are fair and balanced. It is insane how off the off the walls they are I'm watching this. You know, Biden, for example. In September, I will not declare victory until the election is independently certified. Uh, Vice President Biden, final question for you. Will you urge your supporters to stay calm while the vote is counted? And will you pledge not to declare victory until the election is independently certified? Yes. Yeah. Was he asked about his weakness, his frailty, his struggling cognitive abilities? No. No. Was he asked about packing the courts? No. Was he asked about legislative filibuster? Do you ever give a satisfactory answer on all these things? No. Statehood for D.C., Puerto Rico? No. He didn't get asked any questions. He got to hide in what is the media mob, big tech mob, you know, candidate protection programs. It's unbelievable. You know, it's uh, all of this is is just so sad. We're just, you know, a week and a day out of the election and the mob, big tech, they they are now deciding what information we can and cannot have. I've never seen anything like this. I've never, ever watched such, you know, unified, insane corruption. And by the way, there's like 71, nearly 72 million of us that have a very different view. We're not very well thought of, are we? You know, it is, you know, D.N., MS, DNC. Oh, tragedy has been averted. Biden saved democracy. How did they act in 2016? Republicans acting that way? We'll continue. They were
2: grilling the hell out of me. How are you feeling right now? I'm kind of pissed. I feel like I just got played. And I heard him say to the supervisor that they messed up yesterday that they, and I was, so I was like, oh, what did they mess up on? And uh, he told the, the supervisor that um, they had uh, postmarked one of the ballots for the fourth instead of the third, because they were supposed to hit uh, put them for the third.
3: Let me, let me make good on that promise right away, okay? This storm is getting crazy, right? And it's, it's out of a lot of people's control. And so the reason they called me in is to try to harness that storm. Try to reel it back in before it gets really crazy. Okay. I understand. Because we have senators involved, we have the Department of Justice involved, we have yeah. all Trump's s- lawyers teams gotten a hold of me. I, I, I'm not Well I am actually I am trying to twist you a little bit because in that, believe it or not, your mind will kick in. Okay. Um, We like to control our mind, and when we do that, we can convince ourselves of a memory. But when you're under a little bit of stress, which is what I'm doing to you purposely, um, your mind can be a little bit clearer. And we're going to to do a different exercise, too, to make your mind a little bit clearer. Good to go. So, but this is all on purpose. Roger. I am not scaring you, but I am scaring you here.
2: It seems like they were trying to make me distrust y'all. And at the same time, it it kind of affected, but at the same time, I was like, no, these guys have had my back since the get-go. So that's why I continued.
3: Do you think these federal agents have your back?
2: At this point, no. Do you think
3: think these federal agents are really interested in investigating fraud? Honestly, I don't think they are. And in fact, you heard Weisenberg tell a supervisor they were backdating the ballots to make it appear they've been collected November 3rd. You still stand by that? Yeah. Yes. I mean, that is the strangest
0: thing. Washington Post says, no, Richard Hopkins, the Postal Service worker in Pennsylvania, recanted his claims of ballot tampering and, and postmarking earlier dates after the election. And then he gets interrogated and, you know, coerced to drop the allegations. And we're pressuring you in this mind. What is that? I mean, that is the strangest story I've ever heard. By the way, we do hear all these stories about dead people voting we'll get to that in a second um and all the other corruption i'm going to give you a whole list of what we the latest is with that by the way there's a, a listener in fairfax uh mary rem is her name hello mary uh, rem I want to wish you a happy happy 90th birthday wow i'll never make it to 90 linda will i not with not with weeks like we have now
4: I don't know. You're pretty ornery. You might get there.
0: <laughs> oh, is the orneriness make it possible to make it till 90? Is that what the criteria I mean, is? you're
4: stubborn as all get out, and that's half the battle of survival, in my humble opinion.
0: And you're not. Pot kettle. Uh, Seriously. First of
4: all, we're not talking about all, me. Well, I Second just asked you, are all, you stubborn? Yes, and I freely admit it. <laughs> Always remember, people who say, first of all, are armed with facts. Prepare first yourself. First of all,
0: first of all. I'm all serious. right. Well, anyway, Mary Rem, happy, happy birthday,
4: Mary! Ninety years birthday. young. Happy
0: birthday! You must have a lot of clout because you got Linda right in your corner, which is a great thing.
4: <laughs> I got a special um, right. email about Mary from her daughter Marguerite, so I had to do it.
0: Well, we don't have to. We were glad to. With that, we're yes, very thankful right. she's listening, uh, Thank like you, we sir. have everybody else. By the way, Breitbart just reported Connecticut House uh, GOP House Rep. Craig uh, Fishbine was declared the loser in the race for his seat until a town clerk found an error had caused the race to be called for his Democratic opponent. The Wallingford town clerk said her office discovered that votes were not be, have not been recorded in the state's reporting system from one particular voting site, the Yalesville Elementary School. The school is one of nine polling places that the 90th House District included uh, I can't answer if it was a clerical or a computer error uh, in the elections management system. All I know is we caught it and yesterday we amended it. And as of Wednesday morning, uh, unofficial results of the secretary of state's elections website showed the incumbent ahead of the challenger, Jim Jenks, according to the mirror and a recount uh, because it was less than zero point five zero percent. Here's one Epic Times is saying that the census data shows that the state has of Michigan has under eighty percent of the population under over the age of eighteen unless the state's age group changed dramatically in less than a year and its voting population would be around seven point eight million, according to the state's voter information center. The Epic Times is saying that they found over eight point one million registered voters for the election. That would make the registration rate over one hundred percent or 240,000 more registered voters than states with voting age population, which goes to my larger point about we better fix this. Lindsey Graham, I think, is right. You don't, you don't get this all fixed, then Republicans will never win an election again. By the way, reports all over the place about dead people that actually voted. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Washington Times had a lot of reports out. Uh, This one, Washington Times uh, reporting that a woman by the name of Deborah Jean Christensen from Roswell. I used to live in Roswell, suburb of Atlanta, passed away in May of 2019, yet somehow registered to vote on October 5th, the day after the state's deadline to register. Uh, James Blalick of Covington, Georgia, used the same had his name used to cast a ballot last week. He died in 2006. Uh, the same is true for Linda Kessler from Nicholson, who died in 2003. And also this guy in Trenton, Edward, I can't say his name, who died in 2015. Now, the state of Georgia is now having and undergoing a hand recount of the results. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the state of Georgia. And then, obviously, January 5th, you got the two Senate runoffs that are going to be taking place, which are going to be really, 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 can I say really again, important on so many different levels. Um, you know, let me, you know, so one of the things that you keep hearing is where is the evidence? Well, I actually think it's very, you know, look at the guy from Pennsylvania, the postal worker. Now, when you talk to federal agents, if you lie to a federal agent, I guess, unless you're a Democrat, unless you're Hillary Clinton, unless your name is Comey or McCabe, both referred to by the inspector general for lying, um, you're going to be facing charges of perjury. So you got to ask yourself a question. Why would anybody, for even strong political beliefs, be willing to sign, have a sworn affidavit that they're signing that they observed A, B, or C? Because, you know, last night, for example, Kaylee McEnany came on with 234 pages of affidavits uh, alleging, Uh, Election irregularities, I think it was just the state of, of Michigan alone. Now, do you really believe, and you can if you want, but I'll let you decide, that 234 pages of sworn affidavits under the threat of perjury that people would sign them if they talk about it? One challenger, for example, the law requires that the Secretary of Michigan election officials assure that only ballots cast by individuals entitled to cast a vote in the election are counted. Well, that matters and make sure that all the ballots cast are lawful voters that are are counted and all right so that's what the law says and to make sure that the ballots cast by lawful voters are counted by the way like pennsylvania like all these swing states you're also allowed partisan observers of all of this one challenger saw a batch of about 50 ballots fed multiple times into a ballot scanner another witness saw a batch of ballots scanned five times many challengers reported that the election officials. Recorded January 1st, you know, 1900 in the poll book as a date of birth for a number of individuals who were not in the poll book so that they could count those ballots. One witness, again, signed affidavit under the threat of perjury, said a stack of 35 ballots counted, even though the ballots could not be connected to a voter record. One witness talking about provisional ballots being placed in a tabulation box uh, at this one particular center. One challenger saying poll workers were adding marks to a ballot where there was no mark for any candidate. At least two challengers observing ballots counted where there was no signature or postmark on the ballot envelope. You know, remember, and six feet was the closest partisan observers got. Now, they should have made the, you know, the accommodations for covid. And social distancing, because then that becomes the reason why you have to be six feet away. No, it's actually 20 feet away, and other people say 100 feet away. Uh, one challenger saw poll workers adding these marks. Uh, in one batch of ballots, 60 or more, uh, again, another affidavit, ballot envelopes bore the same signature on the opened outdoor envelope. An affidavit signed by somebody says that. One Michigan voter saying that, Her deceased son has been recorded as voting twice since he passed away more recently in this 2020 election. Um, And I can I can keep going. I have them all here in front of me. But you get the point. And, you know, it's and then you wonder why people have no faith, no trust, no confidence in the outcome. Now, why didn't they have these problems in Florida? Why didn't they have these problems in Ohio? Why is it that they want You know, how is it you're just going to mail out ballots to people not even asking for ballots? Why did the Democrats push so hard even holding up monies for COVID relief because they wanted to change election laws in the country? Why is it if it says partisan observers may observe at polling locations and stay until the time the counting of votes is complete, why did all these partisan observers come out publicly and say they were not permitted? And that includes absentee ballot, mail-in ballot envelopes. As they are opened with the ability to observe, meaning you get to look at it and you get to look at it up close. You get to. In other words, it takes all questions of any impropriety away, which you would think everybody would think is a good thing for the process, a good thing for the country. Is it that we're incapable of doing it? No, we know we're capable of doing it because so many states do do it and do it well. Um, you got a Texas social worker, KWTX is reporting, a social worker in Texas has been charged with 134 counts in election fraud investigation uh, involving the registration of 67 of a facility residence uh, that, that they, I guess, worked at. Texas Attorney General announced it in a press release. Well, wait a second. What happened to the media mob and the Democrats charged? There's no evidence of any election fraud. Okay, well, Kelly Brunner is her name, was arrested the day before Election Day and released later that day after posting combined bonds of $35,000. According to reports, she is accused of submitting voter registration applications for the 67 residents at this state supported living center without their signature or effective consent while purporting to act as their agent, according to the Attorney General. Oh. What about the glitches in the software? How do you think that happened? Why do you think that happened? Now, if it happened in one district and all these swing states used it, is it not good for the American people to go through and make sure the glitch didn't show up elsewhere? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I mean, you know, we got to ask you got to ask yourself what kind of system we want in this country and. You know, what are the what how do you remedy, for example, if the law or specific aspects of the law aren't followed? These are all the questions that you know what? No Democrat is really going to be able to answer. Although oh, just repeat the same mantra and the media mob will regurgitate the mantra. As a matter of fact, they won't even change it. They'll use the same talking points, each and every one of them. Uh, we want every vote counted. That's so on and so forth. This Donald Trump is trying to steal the election. He's being a sore loser. Well, what were the Democrats for the last four years in this country? Anyway, uh, what are you saying, Linda, to me? You want to raise a point?
4: I want to raise a point on glitches that you're speaking to. Ah, the
0: glitches, the gl- Dominion glitches software are, they're glitches. They're not
4: really a thing. Glitches don't exist. Software does what you tell it to do. A glitch is someone manually interrupting the code to tell it to do something else. It's not a glitch. Well,
0: that's the thing about this particular program as I understand it, and yeah, I, DVS. I, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I don't know everything yet, but mm-hmm. my understanding is this particular software actually allows for specific markings as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Whether by hardware that's clipped on to the internal drive or done by remote logins previously put onto the machine, which has everything to do With it being on the Internet.
0: And it's also my understanding that Democrats had had hearings on all of this throughout the entire country. Right. And that the Democrats at the time were more upset than the Republicans about it. Is that true, too?
4: I wouldn't say they were upset. I think it was fiend,
0: fiend, fiend,
4: (laughs) fiend, you know, tomato, (laughs) tomato,
0: whatever. Uh, 800 941 Sean is our toll-free telephone number. Look, I say it, and I really mean it, especially, God forbid, if these tax increases are coming. Oh, boy, you're in for the... By the way, I'm going to predict something, too. This country is going to suffer buyer's remorse, the likes of which we've never seen before. You're going to... Donald Trump will have gotten the vaccine. The economy, you'll see, back on track. Joe Biden will never see, rarely... We God only knows what crises we're going to deal with in the next, you know, God forbid, four years if he ever gets in. And uh, uh, it's scary. I right, glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean, If you want to be a part of this uh, program, this extravaganza, is the senator with us? I think so, right? Uh, okay. Um, he's been amazing. Um, you know, I remember when, I think it was Alan Dershowitz said, one, one of the best, brightest students and debaters he's ever met in his life, or had the honor of teaching and, and being a professor to at Harvard Law, was uh, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Um, and it's been on display uh, since Election Day as he lays out all of the constitutional issues surrounding all of this. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Glad you're with us. How are you?
1: Sean, I'm doing terrific. How are you doing?
0: Ah, uh, these are busy days and nights. A um, little stressful, but li- that's life, right? Um, yeah. Let me, I, I really want to take a deep dive and really just open it up to you. Because, like you know, like our friend Mark Levin, this is really your wheelhouse. This is what you do. And you've done such a good job of explaining it and just go through all of the varying issues that you see. And, you know, I, I actually agree. Senator Lindsey Graham got it right. If we don't fix... You know, sending out millions of ballots that aren't even requested in voter ID laws. I, I'm not confident Republican will ever win again uh, the presidency. Uh, never mind what would happen if we don't win those two Georgia Senate seats. But I want you to just lay out from a constitutional vantage point where you see this and why there's such importance here that people w- don't even want to talk about in the media or on the, uh, the Democratic side.
1: Well, it, it, it's a very simple principle that, that that an election is over when the results are final, when when the, the votes have been counted and, and when any of the legal challenges have been concluded. And in this instance, we had an election eight days ago, but there are multiple recounts across the country. There is litigation in state after state after state. And, and we don't know what the result of that litigation is going to be. And, and, and the way our judicial system works, it exists to adjudicate claims, to to hear claims. And and the objective that that, that everyone should want is is to count every legal vote, but at the same time not to count any votes that were cast illegally, that were cast contrary to state law, or that were fraudulent. And, And right now the Trump campaign is busy litigating in state courts and federal courts across the country, challenging some of the ballots that came in. We've got to wait for our court system to resolve those claims, and that's going to be a matter of, of weeks, not months. We will see them resolved in the coming weeks, but the mainstream media doesn't want to wait for that. They want their guy Joe Biden declared the victor no matter what, and and so what's going on right now is really bizarre because the media is just screaming that anyone who doesn't immediately herald Joe Biden as the victor is somehow undermining democracy. Well, that, Well, that's just nutty. When when the results are final, we'll respect what the results are, but but the process needs to play out.
0: I think it's extremely well said. Let's look at the case pending before the Supreme Court in the state of Pennsylvania as it relates to the extension or the acceptance of of ballots uh, past the statutory legal deadline.
1: Yeah, so that, that is an important issue, and it is a pure issue of law, which, if the Supreme Court reaches it, I, I, I think we will prevail. Uh, the question is, so the Constitution provides that state legislatures set the, the, the time and manner of elections and, and, and how presidential elections occur. And under Pennsylvania state law passed by the legislature, Uh, votes have to be received by Election Day. Now, the governor didn't like that. The governor's a Democrat, and the governor didn't like that. So he went to the state Supreme Court, which is also Democratic, and the state Supreme Court just changed Pennsylvania law. They decreed, never mind what Pennsylvania law says, never mind what the state legislature said, we're going to add three more days to the end of it and say that you can receive votes three days after state law says you can, and they don't have to be postmarked if they're received. And, and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just wrote that. I mean, just, just made it up. And so the question of law is the Constitution doesn't say the state Supreme Court. doesn't even say the state. It specifies the state legislature, which is unusual. Uh, Justice uh, Alito wrote an opinion uh, where he laid this out, and, and he described that the, that the plaintiffs are very like, likely to prevail on this question. So on the pure question of law I think there are likely five votes to conclude the Pennsylvania Supreme Court didn't have the authority to change state law. Now, here's the downside. It is not clear how many votes fall into that bucket of those received after Election Day. Um, There have been different reports that they may be around 10,000. The margin right now that Joe Biden is leading in Pennsylvania is about 45,000 votes. And I think If it is unlikely to impact the results, uh, there is a decent chance the Supreme Court won't take the case. If they take the case, uh, I think the Trump campaign prevails. But if it's a small enough number of votes that it won't change the outcome, it wouldn't shock me to see the Supreme Court decline to take it at, at all.
0: So... Why would they miss an opportunity to weigh in on such a constitutionally important issue as that, uh, Senator? Because you are right, and as always, it couldn't be any more clear in the Constitution that, that this power, this authority is granted to state legislators. Um, and I also think in the long term, we've got to really examine going forward um, w- what standards we're going to have in every state, especially where there are Republican majorities in the legislature. They better start doing their job. Your thoughts?
1: Well, the U.S. Supreme Court is unusual among courts in that it has what's called a discretionary jurisdiction. It can choose whether to take a case or not. In a given year, typically, there are about 8,000 what are called petitions for certiorari, their requests for the Supreme Court to take the case. Out of the 8,000 in a typical year, they take about 80. So, so they take about 1%. Uh, the vast majority of cases they don't take. Um, And and so there's a pretty heavy presumption among justices that they don't take cases unless there is an urgent reason to take it. Um, If the issue of the state Supreme Court extending the deadline would alter the results in the presidential election, I think the court would take it, and I think they would resolve it pursuant to the Constitution. If it wouldn't make a difference what The other side will argue what what the Pennsylvania governor's office will argue is it doesn't matter how you resolve this case. The answer is the same anyway. And so in order to get the court to take the case, I think the Trump campaign has to combine that with other litigation challenging other ballots that are at issue, unless the the universe of late received ballots is larger than some of the numbers reported. We don't have a firm number on it, so I don't know for sure. If it were 50,000 instead of 10,000, or if it were 100,000, I think the odds would be much higher the court would take it. If it's substantially smaller than the margin and the margin hasn't been reduced by other litigation, I think there's a, a, a real chance the court uh, lets it pass.
0: There are other legal issues. One that is, has risen, and I, I hear a lot of people making this equal protection argument, is that the Democratic Party of Georgia, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, and congressional committees all you know, filed suit as it related to absentee ballots in Georgia. They were able to negotiate a settlement which allowed the application signature, as long as it matched the signature on the ballot, to be, you know, considered valid and true, while day of voters were—their signatures were matched against a state database. Um, It would make sense that if people wanted to commit fraud, that they would sign the application, get the ballot, and sign the ballot, too, and— and you have two different standards for cross-referencing and, and affirming signatures. Your thought?
1: So that's been a claim that, that, that is in some of the lawsuits that have been filed. Both that claim and the other claim we were talking about a minute ago, the state Supreme Court's changing the legal standard, both of those are issues the Supreme Court has considered before, 20 years ago in, in Bush versus Gore. You know, you and I have spent a lot of time on air talking about my new book, One Vote Away. How? how By it the way,
0: the book, I finally 40. finished it. The book is phenomenal.
1: Thank you. Um, and there's a chapter on Bush versus Gore. There's a chapter on, if you want to understand what the litigation is, what's going on in all these recounts, the book, One Vote Away, which, which Sean, it's in its fifth week in the New York Times bestseller list, which I'm certain is driving the New York Times Crazy. They <laughs> the, hate putting your books on there. They, I,
0: they really do, don't they? Uh, but by the way, <laughs> I, I the like book could the book, book be any more timely? He... It came out just at the time where you know we, we, we had the battle over Amy Coney Barrett. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, the the chapter on Bush versus Gore takes everyone behind the scenes into the legal battle in Florida in 2000. One of the issues that we litigated in Florida was the state Supreme Court changing the date, which is the issue in Pennsylvania. And another issue, the issue on which we won at the end of the day in Bush versus Gore was the equal protection claim. And and, and I describe in in the book One Vote Away how, you know, I was there the night we were writing that complaint. And when we first filed it, it was, at the time, a pretty weak claim because it was anticipatory. We were saying, well, here's all the things that could go wrong, and if those went wrong, then it would violate the equal protection. I remember we're sitting there going, well, this is this is pretty weak. And, and, and it was a, the entire process of those 36 days, that equal protection claim got stronger and stronger and stronger each day. Because the Florida recount erupted into chaos. There were 67 counties across Florida, and every one of them had a different standard for the counts. And some were counting under votes, some were counting one quarter, two quarter, three quarter Chads. And, and it, it was so chaotic that ultimately the Supreme Court concluded by a vote of seven to two, it wasn't even five to four, it was seven to two that what was happening, the chaos in Florida, violated the Equal Protection Clause. And then it was five to four on the remedy, the, the outcome, and, and a majority of justices said enough is enough. You've counted the ballots four times. George W. Bush has won all four times. This case is over. That took 36 days. With the equal protection claims, you might lay one out now, but it's going to take the Trump lawyers really building the predicate and, and, and laying out the proof in court and, and prevailing on the litigation and, and that's going to take as I said a few weeks for the judicial system to move forward
0: let me ask you one one other important legal question uh, Senator Ted Cruz is with us by the way his book is a best- bestseller. we have it up on we'll put it up on hannitycom amazon.com and bookstores everywhere one boat away Um All these swing states have laws very similar, like Pennsylvania. Partisan observers may observe polling locations, may stay until the time that the counting of votes is complete. Then they go into specific uh, statutory language about there can be present during absentee, mail-in ballot envelopes while they're open. We know this didn't happen according to the testimony of so many, and the affidavits being signed by so many. Um, I seem to think there's a bigger case there than others. Your thoughts?
1: Well, there's a clear violation, and we know it occurred, and we know it occurred in in multiple places. We know it occurred in Philadelphia. We know it occurred in Detroit. In Detroit, we know they used poster board and covered up and hid the ballot counting room. Uh, In Philadelphia, they took the Republican ballot watchers and they made them – they kept some of them out. Others they kept 20 feet away or 25 feet away. If you've ever tried to actually look at a ballot, you can't see anything from 25 feet away. Ultimately, the Trump campaign went to Pennsylvania state court, and they won in state court. They got an order from the state court that their observers had to be within six feet. Even six feet is tough to see a ballot. But it's I
0: don't think you to can to unless you have unless you have Superman style vision, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and so it's clear there were a significant chunk of votes for which there was no Republican ballot observer watching the county. Now. On one level, that may seem like a procedural violation, what's the big deal? But, but the big deal is the reason you have the laws requiring observers from both sides, from both Republicans and Democrats, is it is a tool to prevent fraud, to be- prevent people from stealing the election. And, and here's an analogy I've used a couple of times. If someone breaks into a bank and shuts down all the security cameras... Are they doing it because they intend to comply the law with the law and they don't intend to do anything wrong? No, the natural inference is if you're trying to avoid anyone seeing what you're doing, it's because you're doing something you don't want them to see and and so th- that I think is a serious claim. The challenge the Trump lawyers have in in both state and federal court in Pennsylvania is is what the remedy is, how you fix it. Um, and and that, it's going to depend on the proof they lay out in court. Uh, the remedy might be recounting the ballots that were not observed, but we don't know if they were commingled with other ballots. The remedy uh, might conceivably be excluding some of the ballots, but that's a, that's a high threshold. Courts don't like to do that. Uh, but what it's going to take is, is the Trump trial team building the evidentiary case and convincing so
0: a hard. trial
1: court and ultimately an appellate court.
0: It's so, and you know how hard it is more than anybody. Um, You know, I really could talk to you for hours on this. I I want you to come back, if you will, one day this week, and maybe we'll just take questions from our our listeners, because people are just dying to understand this, and your book, One Vote Away, could not be more timely in so many ways. And uh, you've been amazing in in helping to educate a lot of people. i got to give the great one, Mark Levin, has been great, who's also a big fan of yours, as you know. Uh, Thank you, Senator Cruz. We appreciate all your time.
1: Well, thank you, Sean. Thank you for everything you're doing. It re- it really matters, particularly right now, keeping people informed. So I appreciate your leadership. All right,
0: twenty-five till the top of the hour. Toll-free our number is 941 Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza? In a second, on this Veterans Day, we're going to talk to our good friend Colonel Oliver North. He's got a terrific new book out, by the way. Uh, Veterans' Lament is is this the America our heroes fought for? How profound considering the times we live in, right? Um, and on so many different levels. You know, you just think for a minute. You think, and I, have, I days like today, I'll think of my dad, who served four years in the Pacific, World War II, told me about it. He didn't even want to talk about it, to be honest. I'd push and push and push, and he'd show me his Navy knife, and, you know, it He it it went in, what, 18, 19 years old, four years in the Pacific. So many brave men and women... We don't have to get up every day and worry about so much because we take it all for granted. But so many people went, fought, bled, died, risked their lives, come back with the most severe injuries for us. And it's like, I feel at times we don't give them the credit, the acknowledgement. Um, I know we're busy and we're always, every one of us is gulping water in our own way. Whatever we happen to do, kids off to school and etc. but it's, I don't want us to be a nation that forgets the cost of freedom. Have you forgotten?
5: I hear people say we don't need this war, but I say there's something. Worth fighting for. What about our freedom and this piece of ground? We didn't get to keep them by backing down. They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in. Before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. see your homeland under fire And her people blown away Have you forgotten When those towers fell We had neighbors still inside Going through a living hell And you say we shouldn't worry about Bin Laden Have you forgotten Took all the footage off my TV Said it's too disturbing for you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say If it was up to me, I'd show it every day Some say this country's just out looking for a fight. After 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right. Have you forgotten how it felt that day see your homeland under fire and her people blown away? Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through. Tell me not to worry about Ben Laden. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten?
0: I hope we never forget... Colonel Oliver North, brand-new book out. Think about the title of this book, Veterans Lament. Is this the America our heroes fought for? Colonel, good to, good to hear from you, my friend. How are you? Happy Veterans Day. You know, day. I was just
6: thinking to myself, over all the years you and I have done things together, we've done Veterans Day probably more than any other holiday, and it's great to be with you again. As you were talking about your dad, my dad on this day in 1944 – was in the Battle for Metz, which was a big fortification right on the French and German border. Nineteen days and nights, these guys were under incredible pressure. In the aftermath, my dad was, and we did not even realize this until he passed, my dad was awarded a Silver Star. He's the first hero I ever knew. And when he came back, you said the same thing. Your dad never talked about it. My dad didn't either. And every once in a while, we'd see him at the beach or somewhere, and he'd take off his shirt, and you could see the scars. He said, Dad, how'd that happen? He said, well, I'll tell you about it someday, but he never did. And so I, when you're playing that song, I'm thinking back to those kinds of memories and the, the kinds of moments we've shared. And I appreciate you mentioning the book. By the way, I'm now at the National Center for Healthy Veterans in, in Virginia. And, and Alta Vista, Virginia, is a, a, just an absolutely beautiful place. It's right on the river. And it's being converted to farm down here. It's being converted into uh, Valor Farm, which is part of the National Center for Healthy Veterans. General Bob Dees heads it up. He's standing right here listening to at least my end of the conversation. And I just wanted to put in the plug for him, go to healthyveterans.org and see what they're doing. How are you doing?
0: Uh, Well, I miss my friend. We haven't talked in a while. uh, And I know you're doing well. You know, but there's a lot you're bringing up here about, you know, is this what our American heroes fought for? You know, look at the battle over standing for the anthem or the flag or the, yes. flag or the Pledge of, the, of Allegiance or, you know, those that want to revise or falsify even American history and, and not look at any American greatness, how we have advanced the human condition more than any other country and abused power less and, and given more for the cause of freedom anywhere. Um it's sad well, we it, we we just don't even teach our kids any of that.
6: Well I'll, I'll tell you when we sat down to start this push and David Ketch is a dear dear friend. He's a marine. He has a bachelor's degree, four or five master's degrees and a PhD. He teaches and he lectures all over the country on leadership. And I I feel like a piker beside him because he's such an eloquent writer far better than I am, far better than you are, because you and I have been together working on some books as sure. well. And the that's reality amazing. of it is this book, and it, it, we sent out a survey to over 500 veterans, and we asked them questions about things that really matter. And if and if you look at what you just said, that's exactly what they're concerned about. I mean, the, the, the idea of a growing acceptance of socialism, the fact that our Bill of Rights, particularly the Second Amendment, are going to be I'm, I'm calling you from Virginia. What am I? What am I saying? In Virginia, you know, we've got a governor who is a baby-killing, gun-grabbing, race-baiter. Okay, who is now talking about what measures we need to do? For example, as you know, when I when I have a grandson, and now it's a granddaughter as well, but grandchildren, 14, 18 of them, when they turn 14, I give them a box. It's the only present I'm allowed to give that Betsy doesn't participate in, yeah. because she doesn't want it. She's, this is ought to be yours. And on the box, it says, if you learn to use everything in this box, you'll never be hungry, you'll never be lost, and you need fear of nothing. And they open the box, and the first thing they find is a holy Bible. And, I, and they want to start. And the next thing is a map and a compass. And the last thing, of course, on the bottom is a 20 gauge shotgun, a Remington 7. Eight, seven. <laughs> so the first thing they want to use is, I said, no, no, wait a minute. It just happens seven months a year. There are 31 days. And by the way, there are 31 proverbs. So you do one a day, and at the end of a month, come on back and... We'll do a test on whether you whether you understood was in private. Then I'll show you how to use the map and compass, and then I'll show you how to take apart the shotgun, put it back together, blindfold it, and then I'll take you out and show you how to shoot it. Or it's like when well, my government... parents
0: taught me how to shoot. They took me and I go to this place and I learn all about gun safety. And yeah. you know, you're pointing yeah. the the gun downrange. He goes, "Do you think you remembered everything?" I'm like ten or eleven. I said, "Absolutely." <laughs> he goes, "Okay, if you come back next week and you can tell me everything you learned today, I'll let you shoot." I'm like,
6: there you go. "What?" <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Well, um, I, and, and what our what governor wants me to do now is to get a background check before I give that Model 870 20 gauge shotgun to my grandson. Can you, can you imagine what the background check on a 14 year old will show? I, I, I mean, have no idea. It's, it's ludicrous. Depends what the deep state the put of there. Thing that's it's in this book. That's why it's in this book. That, the, the, the problems we've got in this country. Is the, is the lack of a moral foundation anymore? And I, I deeply believe, and I know you do too, that goes back to 1973 when we decided the government of the United States was going to pay for Kelby babies. I mean, it's well, you're it's talking about Governor
0: me. Northam, and this is the guy that said, "Well, first we'll deliver the baby and make sure the baby's comfortable, and then we'll oh, yeah. and the mother gets to decide." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, that's called infanticide," and you know, yep. it's just so radical, you can't even believe it. Do you think, you see, I think, look, look at this election, for example, 71-plus million Americans voting for the president. Yeah. You know, looking at this, yeah. and and you see the chaos that was sown by just, you know, random ballots sent here, there, and everywhere, requested or not requested, no, vital, no consistent voter ID laws, then, you know, observers that by law are supposed to observe are not allowed to observe, and everybody is so you know, shocked that this could happen in this country. Your thoughts?
6: Well, does anybody remember back to the year 2000? I do. It was the Gore versus George W. Bush. I know you and I do, but I'm hoping most of your listeners do as well, because they're they're at least informed. But there are apparently a whole lot of people who don't realize that that election wasn't decided until the 13th of December, 2000. And and the, the process is all laid out. In Article One, Section Two of the Constitution, which says state legislatures are supposed to decide the process for voting in your state, and it lays it out very clearly, and, it, and the timing for those votes. Well, guess what? In Pennsylvania, a judge overruled the state legislature. I, I don't even know if he knew that the state legislature said you've got to have all the ballots in by such and such a time, and and violates the Constitution of the United States, and nobody wants to challenge that. I mean. There are those of us, you and me, and a handful of others that say, that's got to be challenged. It's an unconstitutional election if you, if you count those ballots. And that's why I love it when the president comes out and says, we need to count every legal ballot. And my, my, my supposition, Sean, is that if they count nothing but every legal ballot, he will continue to be the president of the United States. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't have the gift of prophecy.
0: Is this the America our heroes fought for, Talk about just so people know and understand who you are, because when you went to, this whole little Iran-Contra thing, which I was riveted to, which actually inspired me in part to do what I'm doing now, um, I watched every second of it. And you had gone to Iran and you had a suicide pill in your pocket. You already had I don't know how many Purple Hearts um, and served your country in, in combat. And, well, and then your country kind of turned on you a little bit, I felt, like they've turned on Michael Flynn, unfairly, I believe. Thoughts? Well,
6: the, the people of America didn't turn against me. The kindness.
0: No, the people came in like bulldozers and were supporting yeah.
6: you. Yeah. So what am I? I'm the husband of one, the father of four, and the grandfather of 18. And that's my mission in life. That's why, that's why David and I sat and wrote this book. It's, it's what I want our kids, our grandkids to have, as the same kind of opportunities that we had growing up. I, I want the sanctity of life respected. I want the Bill of Rights, all of it, respected. You know, I over a 100 times in my career in the Marine Corps, I raised my right hand and took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And it was, in fact, if you look at what we posted on my podcast today, it's right there. Go to OliverNorth.com and click on that. It'll show you today's podcast up on YouTube, and and over a hundred times so I, I did that with young guys who were enlisting, be, being promoted, the rest of it, and that oath ends with the words "So help me God." I, I'm I'm astounded that that the new crowd coming in is going to take that out of there. I'm astounded. I well, did twice that
0: the new crowd at the uh, Democratic convention doing the pledge, but listen, I want exactly. to remind people it's up on Amazon.com and Hannity.com. It's Veterans Lament. Is this the America our heroes fought for? A phenomenal book. Um, And you know what? It raises a lot of significant questions because I'll tell you, America, so many have sacrificed, bled, died, given their life, you know, um, and and the sacrifices, it runs deep so we can have better lives and freer lives today. Uh, Colonel North, appreciate you. Safe home. You're a gotcha. great American. Love the book. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Thank you, sir.
6: Simplify, happy birthday. Happy happy Marine Corps birthday yesterday and a happy veterans day today. I love you, my friend. Semperfy. All right,
0: Simplify, safe home. All right, eight hundred-nine four-one Sean. You want to be a part of the program? We'll continue. All right, Love music can only mean in just moments we're mere seconds away from the simple man himself, Bill O'Reilly.com. Uh, Bill O'Reilly will be joining us. But first, uh, remember in the first debate, there was a moment. Joe Biden promised not to declare victory until the election is independently certified. Vice President Biden, final question for you. Will you urge your supporters to stay calm while the vote is counted? And will you pledge not to declare victory until the election is independently certified? Yes. Oh well, I'll forget that promise on his part. Anyway, all things Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com, dot uh, including his uh, well now fifteen in his killing series, killing Crazy Horse. Uh, the the country's gone crazy, and um, uh, it's great to have you back. I'm dying to get your thoughts on on this mess we find ourselves in. Uh, unbelievable.
7: Uh it is. Disturbing. Um I don't know if it's unbelievable because I was expecting chaos, but it's very disturbing. So That's
0: a good you point. Know, you know what? We all knew this was coming. Great yeah, point.
7: I mean those of us who pay attention knew.
0: That the, <laughs> That's uh, true.
7: Both sides, both Republicans and Democrats are setting themselves up um to do whatever they had to do to win. And it's pretty disturbing. So, as you know, I'm a simple man and and you have defined that uh, to your audience. So I keep things simple. First of all, in the sound cut you just played from Biden, uh, the key word there was independent. Joe Biden believes, or so he would say, that the press is independent. Therefore, they've certified that he's the president-elect, so he's okay. That's what he would do. Now, we all know the press is not independent, and, um, you know, I'm going to get into that pretty serious tomorrow on BillOReilly.com. But for today, the only chance, and I mean the only chance, that Donald Trump has to retain the presidency is if the Supreme Court steps in and says any votes in Pennsylvania cast after the polls closed on November 3rd are invalid. Because that's the state law that was overridden by Pennsylvania judges, which is against the Constitution. Judges cannot override or change laws.
0: Well, one, add one thing, though. This is also the governor's desire as well.
7: It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The body that makes laws, both federally and state, Correct. is the legislature. And you can't a judge a governor... Uh, a rock star, nobody can step in and say, ah, let's change the law. Now, Alito, very, very important ruling, ordered Pennsylvania to set aside every single vote that was received after the polls closed on November 3rd. He did that because he knows if the case is accepted by the court, a big if, that that's what will happen. All of those votes will be scrutinized and possibly thrown out. If the Supreme Court ruled that, Donald Trump would win because he was ahead in Pennsylvania when the polls closed by about 600,000 votes. He lost by 45,000. So that's the only way that Donald Trump can retain the presidency from the simple man. Is he going to get there? I think you should try like hell. I would the, if I were him. You would, uh, right?
0: Uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, when would you ever back away from a fight for crying out loud? About, and when would I back away from one? Uh, but I actually, I, I do disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I am very, very interested. You know, there was this, this Dominion software issue in Michigan and the 6,000 vote flip that took place there it was used in over 40 of the 80 counties in, in Michigan, but also in 28 states, as John Solomon reported. And, you know, I, I'm just finding I'm, I'm I'm it's a little early, but I'm waiting and we're watching and we're investigating. And it's some very intriguing information that I think might be coming out. I can't say for sure, um, but certainly the, the president has the right to do it, I, I think. It's going to be interesting to see one of the things that changed. I think there are a couple of other legal fronts that we could use here. You, you picked on one in Pennsylvania. But, you know, the law also says in every one of these states, the statutes are almost identical, that partisan observers have the right to watch the vote counting from start to finish. We know that never happened. That is part of the law. Um, what the remedy would be or whether a court would ever step into that mess is obviously, you know, something I can't venture a guess at. But if the law is not followed, as is written, election laws aren't followed. To me, that's very problematic. Your thoughts?
7: It's a he said, she said. All right. It's not going to get traction at the Supreme Court level ever. I do believe that in Philadelphia, and perhaps other places, but I know for certain in Philadelphia that the Democratic machine did not let Republicans watch the vote as they should have. But the Democratic machine is going to say, under oath, oh no, we, we let them in, but we had COVID, we had this, we have that. It's not enough. In order for the Supreme Court to put a stay on this election, that means to stop the process, All right, they—you would have to have something so demonstrable, all right, that everybody could see. You couldn't have two sides arguing out who did bad things. You've got to have a smoking gun, as they say. The Pennsylvania vote after the fact is that gun.
0: I'm not. Listen, I want to see every legal vote counted. You want that? You know, it is amazing when we. You know, we are.
7: Hannity, Hannity, hold it. I don't want that.
0: You don't want I every don't legal want, vote counted.
7: I don't want Jake Tapper's vote counted.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll put you down for for you you denying Jake Tapper fake Jake uh, his right. rights just of him. vote. Just just him. him. What are you going to let I Humpty want him Dumpty? You going to let Humpty Dumpty vote? That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'll let Humpty.
7: I'll let him vote, but not Tapper because Tapper is a phony. He masquerades as a journalist.
0: Uh, Okay, we all know that. All right, now, the plan is also something that's very interesting. You can see the depth of planning. If you remember, the first COVID relief bill uh, was held up in part because they wanted changes to election laws. That was number one. Number two, the the Georgia Democratic Party sued, along with the Democratic National Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Congressional Campaign Committees, all sued in Georgia for the right for people that wanted absentee ballots, that the application, uh, in other words, let me set it up this way. In Georgia, if you do in-state same-day voting, you have to present a voter ID. And this goes to the heart of a lot of problems we have. Just mailing out indiscriminately all these ballots all over the place lends itself to corruption, in my view. And I don't think anybody could argue that. But they have one software program that matches the signatures for day of voting. What they were able to negotiate with the secretary of state down in Georgia is another standard that the person that filled out the application and the person that filled out the ballot, as long as they those signatures would match, that would suffice as a signature verification. Unlike every other voter in Georgia that has to go through the other software system matching and authenticating the signature. Now, that seems to me like you might. It might be a long shot have an equal justice issue there. Thoughts?
7: Certainly, the law says that all the votes must be tabulated in the same way. That's what the law says. That didn't happen this election. We all know that. You have proven it both on radio and TV. But it would take so long to adjudicate that, the courts are not going to hold up the transfer of power while they adjudicate it. They may do it separately, but they're not going to hold up the election for that.
0: When now for me, if we look at this and and put it in, compartmentalize it into different boxes. All right, you have this election here, 71, nearly 72 million, I guess we're coming up, Trump voters that are 70 plus percent feel that this is total BS and that the chaos that Democrats wanted to sow, they were able to sow. Right. Um, Now, if fundamentally, if we don't come up with a system that stops this this rampant and indiscriminate ballot mailing to people that are not even requesting ballots, to people that aren't verifying our our eligible voters, and we don't have voter ID laws changed, then this could happen. This should happen on the state level in the states that have Republican majorities. If we don't have it, Bill. I think Lindsey Graham is right. Republicans will never win a national election again.
7: Well, number one, no Republican states are being accused of massive fraud. so We don't have a problem in the GOP-run states. Number two, the states cannot do this. It has to be done by the Congress. So the first thing that Mitch McConnell should do when the Senate comes back into session in January is introduce a bill. Called the United States Election Standards Bill.
0: Well, let me, let me just gently argue with you constitutionally, because the Constitution is very clear that the it is the state legislatures. The right. That's, right. that's where the law is, but you is don't made. Overstep
7: and... that. You don't overstep that. You say in the bill, we, the Congress of the United States acknowledge each state oversees the election. That's in the Constitution. However, here are the standards the states have to follow. Because if you have a state like Nevada that clearly doesn't want to run an honest election, you have to take action against that. You can't have rogue states saying, hey, we're not going to have an honest election. We're just not going to do it. Congress has to then step in. Can't usurp the authority can impose standards for everyone on how to vote in a national election.
0: You see, when, I, I don't know. Look, I'm. I would go to Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. The pertinent part of that is each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. In other words, the state legislators determine how to select their electors, but also the process under which elections are held. You're saying that, that Congress can have national standards that they must apply okay. and that would and you think That's it would fine, pass. Hannity,
7: but what if Nevada or any other state goes, we're going to let people vote twice. We're going to let every one of our people.
0: That's where you look for judicial remedy.
7: That's right. But you if you have a standard that has been passed by Congress and signed by a president, then the judicial uh, decision-making becomes much easier. And that's what should happen.
0: Yeah. All right. Bill O'Reilly, all things Um, What do you think the impact is going to be long-term to the country?
7: Well, that's an excellent question. And I'm, you have come to Yoda, Yoda
0: O'Reilly. <laughs> oh, come on. Now Did I have to call Gary? you Yoda simple man yoda this is why this is why it, it makes me laugh that you think you're a simple man when you're the most complicated man i know
7: yoda was a simple guy how much time do we have a minute okay no are we coming back for another minute after that
0: whatever you want bill sure
7: <laughs> All right. I, you want my vision i gotta give you my vision okay so i'll do one minute on the senate The Senate's going to be 52-48 Republican. That makes Mitch McConnell the most powerful man in the country, because McConnell will decide what votes take place, what laws are considered. That's a good thing for traditional conservative Americans. Biden, in my opinion, is not going to do very much. And two years from now, the House will flip to the Republicans, effectively neutralizing him for the last two years, whereupon the Republicans will have a very good chance of taking the presidency and running Congress.
0: If Donald Trump runs again in four years, say if if this worked, if he didn't get it, if that happened, the scenario you laid out, would he win? Trump? Yep. I don't think the Republicans want him to run again. Interesting. All right. Bill O'Reilly, all things BillOReilly.com. Thank you, sir. I right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So we got reports yesterday that, if you remember Project Veritas, James O'Keefe talked to a Pennsylvania, United States postal worker. This is the second one he talked to, a uh, whistleblower. Guy gave his name. His name was Richard Hopkins, and telling his story about backdating ballots, et cetera, et cetera, and allegations of ballot tampering. okay. Then I'm reading article after article yesterday. No, he recanted his story. Now he's saying, no, I did not recant my story. Listen. I'm
2: here to say that I did not recant my statements. That did not happen. That is not what happened. And you will find out tomorrow. And I would like that the Washington Post recant their wonderful little article that they decided to throw out there out of random.
0: I mean, you think, What? Okay, they followed up James O'Keefe talking again to Richard Hopkins about what happened when he talked to the feds.
2: they were grilling the hell out of me. How are you feeling right now? I'm kind of pissed. I feel like I just got played and I heard him say to the supervisor that they messed up yesterday that they and i was so I was like, oh, what did they mess up on and uh he told the the supervisor that um they had uh, postmarked one of the ballots for the fourth instead of the third, as they were supposed to hit uh, put them for the third.
3: Let me let me make good on that promise right away. Okay, this storm is getting crazy, right? And it's, it's out of a lot of people's control. And so the reason they called me in is to try to harness that storm, try to reel it back in before it gets really crazy. Okay, I understand? Because we have senators involved. We have the Department of Justice involved. We have all lawyers, teams got a a hold of me. I, I, I'm not, well, I am actually, I am trying to twist you a little bit because in that, believe it or not, your mind will kick in. Okay. Um, we like to control our mind. And when we do that, we can convince ourselves of a memory. But when you're under a little bit of stress, which is what I'm doing to you purposely, um, your mind can be a little bit clearer.
0: Wow, pretty powerful. Anyway, 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. So there is a Pennsylvania senator. Uh, his name is Doug Mastriano, and he's with the 33rd District. And he actually came out with a, a pretty blistering op-ed about how, quote, the integrity of the election process lies at the heart of any republic. And he posted this, I believe it was yesterday, and he is citing a Third Circuit Court of Appeals opinion regarding one of the most corrupt and unabashed election scandals in Pennsylvania history. It's called the Mark versus v. Stinson case from 1994, and the opinion, he goes on, the people, the ultimate source of governmental power, delegate to their elected representatives the authority to take measures which affect their welfare In a multitude of important ways, when a representative exercises that authority under circumstances where the electors have no assurance that he or she was the choice of the plurality of electors, the legitimacy of the governmental actions taken is suspect. Wow. Sounds a lot like this election. Anyway, um, Senator uh, Doug Mastriano is with us, sir. How are you?
8: Sean, thanks for having me on. I can't believe this is happening in Pennsylvania, and especially Philadelphia, where it all began at 76, and it needs to stop.
0: Well, let's go through it. I mean, first of all, just this whole incident. Okay, you have a postal service worker. Now, I thought Democrats after Ukraine, they loved even hearsay whistleblowers that weren't whistleblower whistleblowers, right? So, okay, now all of a sudden you get whistleblowers, and then the whistleblowers go in and they get questioned, and what, they get pressured into saying things, and then the, they... I guess, leaked to the media, and then the media reports, oh, he recanted, and he said, I didn't recant. What is your thoughts on that?
8: Yeah, I'm, you know, I just I retired from the Army three years ago after 30 uh, years in service, and for this to come out on Veterans Day, when so many of us put our lives on the line, to see we have a corrupt federal system here that, that's gaming the system, that's playing us, and when, you, when you do an interrogation, this is the sort of interrogation they put the guy through. They're not interested in facts. They're interested in uh, obviously bullying this, this witness here because it's not playing to the narrative. And so what do we do? I mean, in Pennsylvania, Sean, we got a governor who's acting with near tyrannical powers with no transparency or accountability. I got an attorney general with his thumbs on the scale. The night before the election, he said Biden has it all but once. You know, what the heck is going on? I got a secretary of state who's a political hat who's unfit for office. I was a no on her confirmation because she could not tell me how she's going to make elections in Pennsylvania more secure than what I saw in Afghanistan. And then a Supreme Court that rewrites law. I mean, it's just out of control. And so we need another four years for President Trump because the swamp has been exposed, but it has to be completely drained, and we need four more years to do that. God help us; otherwise, we'll, we will lose our republic.
0: Also, joining us from the great state of Pennsylvania, Representative Stephanie uh, Borowitz, uh, welcome uh, to the uh, program, Representative. Thank you for being with us. Uh, first of yeah, all, I know thank you, you for having me. Uh, I know you you read the, uh, the the op-ed of your colleague. Your take on all that's gone on in Pennsylvania and your thoughts on it.
9: Yeah, I mean, exactly what the senator said is happening before our eyes. This postal worker, um, what's taking place, um, it's just, it's, it's clear, it's evident to the people. I'm getting hundreds and hundreds of emails coming in, which I'm very excited about, um, that the people are speaking up and standing up and saying, hey, this is, this is fraudulent, um, our votes need to matter and we'll never have another fair and free election again, Sean if we continue down this path. And so it's this is it. The Republic is at stake. Um, so there is some good news in the PA State House that we are going to have an investigation and hearing into the election process. So that came out yesterday in a press conference. So that's a little step in the right direction, Sean.
0: Well, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, that court decision is now before the Supreme Court. That's a pending case. I think it's a very strong case, as a matter of fact. But ultimately constitutionally uh it is there's no ambiguity here the power lies with you state representatives you guys get to decide the law of the great state of pennsylvania it's not sean hannity and by the way it's not uh joe biden and it's not the media uh senator uh mastriano
8: yeah, I agree. And we need to stand up. This is our time. Otherwise, if we're not going to do our part, why even bother, have, bother having senators, representatives there? Because this is a constitutional fight and the very republic at stake. And if this is happening in Philadelphia, once again, where it began, it could end there. So, look, I, I agree 100 percent. You know, It needs to be a free and fair and open election. Each one single vote per person counts if there's shenanigans. Or mischief, people need to go to jail. The reason why this has gotten so out of control because there has been no account, no or no or little accountability. Yeah, we did have someone thrown in jail in May of this year in Philadelphia for fraud and abuse of the election code. But this, a whole generation of people are known in Philadelphia for being behind these kind of shenanigans. I have hope in the 1994 precedent, of course, that you mentioned, Sean, between Marx and Stinson, where an entire result of a statewide uh, Senate race was thrown out and given to the Republicans because the Democrats could not help themselves and cheated. Now, look, this is a very Democrat area. They could not help themselves, but it was significant because since this, the court ruled against the Democrats in that election, uh, the Republicans have held the, the Senate of Pennsylvania ever since 1994. So that was a significant move. And with that precedent, I'm prayerful and hopeful the Supreme Court will come in on our side. But the legislator, we need to do our part. The breaking news is, of course, is that the Pennsylvania Senate will be joining together, and that announcement will be coming uh, shortly with the House in in pursuing an active and aggressive investigation, trying to ascertain the truth.
0: Representative Barowitz, the state law of Pennsylvania is clear. I'll cite it for you, if you like, in the very statute. But you know what it says, that partisan observers are allowed to watch the counting of the ballots from start to finish, absentee, mail-in, and every other way. Did that happen in your state or not?
9: Yes, many reports of that, that people were not allowed in to uh, be poll watchers and kept out. And it, once again, that's illegal. So hopefully in this investigation, um, you know, we can have people come in and testify to that. This postal worker, that would be great if he can call our Speaker of the House and the Senate and let him know. I mean, the more, the better, Sean, um, for the investigation that's going to take place here shortly.
0: Well, I mean, t- and, all right. So where do you see you're now speaking to all of your colleagues and Representative Barwitz. I'll start with you, then we'll go back to the senator you know where are your republican colleagues on this both short term and long term by long term i mean and i think this is very critical is that if we have this in in other states and all the the chaos we see in swing states interestingly enough except for ohio and and florida If the chaos is allowed to continue, mass ballot mailings go out. If there's no signature verification process that people can trust, if there's no if laws are not even respected in terms of the right to watch the counting, you can make allowances for social distancing. You know, how do you fix this long term and short term? How do you see this going down?
9: Well, we need strong and courageous uh, legislators. And, you know, we can't be have cowards in these times. So we need clear leadership and people willing to do and make the tough calls. And so, you know, a lot of times I know the term rhinos out there, Um, you know, a lot of times it is it is hard. But I have to say, I joined together with about 30 other legislators and we we held the line. And uh, Congressman Perry was kind of helping us with that. And he said, uh, You know, hold the line, patriots. And so he just encouraged us and we did a press conference and it kind of, um, you know, made us head down the path of having an investigation and auditing this election process. So sometimes it just takes standing up. It takes courageous men and women. And so we need that. We, I heard in the con, in Congress, we got 10 strong pro-life women uh, that are going to be in there. So I think that the the tide is turning, Sean, and and we're not backing down, and true patriots are running for office. So it's important.
0: I I think the American people are so ticked off, and who can blame them watching this shift show every day? Senator Mastriano, long-term, short-term.
8: So, Sean, I'm sick of politics and politicians. We're a co-equal branch of the government. We need to start acting like it. We've been pushed out for eight months with the Governor Wolf's Supreme emergency powers under COVID. But, but I don't mean
0: to press you here, but will your fellow Republicans, you have a majority in both houses in Pennsylvania, will they join with you and Representative uh, Borowitz?
8: Please pray that they do. I'm, I'm engaging them. I'm trying to get them on board here. We have probably 50 50 that are willing to step out like this and be courageous leaders this is our time if we don't do our part now it's over it's done so that doesn't
0: sound very reformed. reassuring i'm not trying to be pessimistic here but it sounds like <laughs> yeah. a lot of republicans are going to go running from the hills in pennsylvania
8: you know I, so obviously we work closely with, with the lithuanians or partner state of pennsylvania and this this tough Lithuanians, they fought Russia during the Cold War for 10 years, and they said, You Americans need more courage. Uh, the General Assembly, we need more courage. We need to act like we're co equal branches and stop deferring to the governor. I don't even know why we defer to him. We should act as an independent branch of the government, which we are, and be bold and courageous. Now, look, I, have, I do have a large group of colleagues that are standing with me, and so we're going to push forward, irregardless of what our leadership says or says we can't do. We're going to do the right thing, regardless. I'm a I'm voice of the people. I put my life on the line, as all the veterans have, uh, almost my entire adult life, and I'm not going to watch a republic. Whittle away because uh, a few politicians are afraid to do their job.
0: What about the secretary of state, the lieutenant governor uh, and governor? They all hate President Trump, Representative Borowitz. I I think one of them said, well, there's no dignity. You can't say the word president before the word Trump. I think it was the secretary of state.
9: Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, they had clear tweets put out uh, beforehand, their, um, their hate towards President Trump. And so this should be obvious to, to us of what they were trying to do and in their intent. Josh Shapiro, every single person, uh, we added states, or we added seats, Sean, in the state house. Uh, Republicans did, but yet President Trump lost. We won, we won two state row office um, elections at the state level, uh, but yet President Trump lost. I mean, there's just something that doesn't add up there.
0: So you don't trust the result. You don't believe the result.
9: <sighs> you know, I, I, from the evidence and what we're seeing, we don't have the evidence and proof yet. Let, so let's go through this investigation and see and have truth revealed. And pray that truth is revealed and it's clear and evident that there was fraudulent behavior in mishandling and conduct in our election process, period. And, and, you, and we have to find that truth through the state legislature.
0: You sent a letter, Senator, to the Secretary of State, and you said it's with deep regret I write this letter demanding your immediate resignation. Have you heard back from the uh, Secretary of State?
8: Yeah, absolute crickets, just like when I asked you four times, twice in person, twice on Zoom. Why are election, elections that I oversaw in Afghanistan more safe and secure than Pennsylvania, and what are you going to do to fix it? And as a result of her inept response and no plan or strategy to safeguard our elections, and as evidence that she's a political hacker, she needs to resign. She's unfit for office. This is not a political game for me. This is about life and death here in Pennsylvania. And what happens in Pennsylvania will affect the entire country. So, of course, she's not going to respond and she's not going to go. But you know what? She needs to be censured because her attitude towards the president was such disdain that she had towards me. You know, imagine had a a senator or a secretary of state given such a tweet about President Obama. Could you imagine the outrage and the palpitations from the left? It'd be intolerable.
0: The double standard is everywhere. All right. Well, we're going to keep following what you're both doing. Senator Mastriano, thank you. And Representative Barowitz, thank you, Pennsylvania, 941 uh, Sean, you want to be a part of the program? All right, that's going to wrap things up for uh, today. Tonight, say DVR. We hope you'll join us, Hannity, nine Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Uh, we're going to give you the news the mob will never give you. They're they're running the candidate protection program as they have the entire election cycle for Joe Biden. Ryan's previous match, Schlap, Carl Rowe, Greg Jarrett, Leo, Larry, much, much more. Uh, Congresswoman Stefanik, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. See you then. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.